I think that's what's nice in an in academic institution is because there's a lot of people coming from different backgrounds and you you are brought by one mission kind of to do science right so no matter where you are from it's it's the science that brings you together so i it, it was it was such a nice feeling that um and and at that time it wasn't only me there are a couple of other filipinos in in our department it's just such a nice feeling that um filipinos are being represented in in stem um even in in our small departments so, Hi everybody, I am Rox De Leon and this is episode 9 of A Curious Character. It's the first of my two-part conversation with Herdeline Ardonia. In this episode, Herdeline shared her background, motivation for pursuing graduate studies, and some anecdotes of how she navigated her graduate school application in the United States, coming from the Philippines as a chemistry undergraduate student at UP Diliman. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode. Welcome to A Curious Character. I am very excited to be here today with Dick Sardonia and I've been looking forward to speaking with you here in the podcast and today I'm just so excited that we can talk more about your journey of getting into graduate school and hear about tips for Filipinos who want to study in the U.S. as an international student. So welcome. No, uh, thanks for, for inviting me here. It's my pleasure. And um, I, I hope that whatever I say will be helpful to, <laughs> to the students in the Philippines. Awesome. So I thought before we dive into the topic of navigating graduate school as a Filipino, it would be great to hear about your story um, of, or, or your background, how it's like studying in the Philippines and what motivated you to go into graduate school right out of undergrad. Oh, that's going to be a long story <laughs> if I tell everything. <laughs> no, but I can, I guess I, I can briefly describe my trajectory and then we can um, talk right. more about the details. So I, um, I finished my bachelor's degree in UP Diliman um, in, in the Institute of Chemistry, so BS Chemistry. And um, I taught for one year in UP as an instructor in the same institute. And afterwards, I moved to Hopkins, Johns Hopkins for a PhD degree in chemistry. And then I did my postdoc at the Peace Institute in Harvard um, for about three years. And then now I am at uh, UC Irvine as an assistant professor at Department of Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering. And I should say that my, my postdoc was not in chemistry. Um, it, it's, it's in the School of um, Engineering and Applied Sciences. Uh, and in the Wies Institute, and, and it was more um, in the area of bioengineering and applied physics. So I guess overall, my background was very interdisciplinary. And you, you asked about motivation. I guess I'm just generally a curious person. And, and, um, and I guess that reflects to the kind of research that I do right now. Um, I, I think that uh, the complex issues that we have right now in the society should be matched by a more complex approach in, into uh, research, which involves multidisciplinary uh, training. Um, so 
yeah, uh, I guess the the very root of my motivation for pursuing science was because I I had the great female role model early on. My my grandmother is a chemical engineer, and uh, at an early stage, I I just saw that oh I um you know it's it's not impossible <laughs> to uh, for for a female to pursue STEM a STEM career, and she she's very well respected in our community, and and I just really admire her and until up to this day I, I very much look up to her so I, I guess that was the um yeah very motivation for me to to yeah. pursue a stem career mm -hmm. and then when did you realize that you wanted to apply for a phd i'm not sure how is it in chemistry if people um, would go to masters before going to phd but why was so the decision during my time um I think it is more common for people to do it well if they want to pursue graduate programs uh it's more common to stay for a little bit in the institute and teach as, a, as an instructor you know so so that you the the tuition fee for <laughs> uh for for pursuing a graduate degree would be covered um and it's i guess it's not uh very popular the the idea of pursuing a PhD, but um, because I was an instructor and there are other people uh, at that time, uh, other junior faculty at that time who uh, are applying or who are already in the U.S. Um, I guess that was very helpful and it um, made us all aware, at least in in those who are instructors, made us all aware that oh this is possible, um, and uh, I guess. We, we, we saw that it's possible to pursue research in institutions that could really provide us with the necessary equipment and resources. Um, and I guess some of the research topics that we could pursue in, in the institute are quite limited. Um, I, I, I think that in, in IC at that time, the, the strong focus was more on natural products. I I really I, early on I really liked to pursue I, I knew that I wanted to pursue uh, materials chemistry or biomaterials research and and there's not that many um, opportunities in in the universities back home to do that type of research so yeah so I, I think that those are the factors the research and then also because some of my peers uh, are already applying and and. And some are already in the U.S. and showed us that oh you you can you can do this so yeah yeah and and realizing that you wanted to apply for a PhD of course you'd have to paint a timeline of like when to get oh, applications and all yeah yeah so like? um I think that I actually when I started um, as a first year uh, college student I, I really wanted to pursue an MD degree and then I guess later on I was made aware that I could do an MD PhD uh, program so I guess I, I considered it at some point but then um, and, and I considered it during the time that I realized that I, I really wanted to do research and then at some point I was thinking do I really want to go for an MD PhD program or a PhD program and this was more of I guess I was already in my senior year um, and in the Philippines, if, if you are going to pursue 
an MD uh, uh, an MD program, you have to take the MCAT. Right? Right. Um, so I, I did that, uh, or NMAT actually, NMAT for, for the Philippines. And then if you're going to apply for MD or MD PhD programs, at least here in the US, you have to take the MCAT. So I took the NMAT actually, but, but I realized that I really wanted to do, do research more than um, I guess being in the clinic. Um, of course, this is a senior undergrad speaking, so I, I probably don't really have an idea of what's happening on both ends. But I, I just know that I like I like research. I, I was able to get some experience through my undergrad lab um, at that time. Um, so I guess it wasn't until the first semester of um, my first year of teaching at Diliman when I, I knew that, okay, I really want to apply for um, for graduate school. So, and I think I, at that time, I thought it, it was actually kind of late, <laughs> the, the, uh, the decision. Um, I, I felt like I, I, I crammed the applications a bit because, and we can talk about uh, yeah. more later about the application process, but uh, the deadlines for the schools that I applied to was more on, um mid to late december and um and i didn't start taking the necessary exams until um i think first week of october so it, it was cutting it too close because <laughs> september i was also taking the the chemistry licensure exam so yeah i guess that was yeah. the, the timeline um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there are a lot of things happening during that first semester. You have the boards and the teaching. Yeah. You well, I, graduate school. So April at that time we we still had the um, the old, academic yeah, yeah. starting. Yeah, the old academic year. So we graduated April twenty eleven, and then um, the school year started June, and then we were all reviewing right. for the board September. Uh, was the chemistry boards and then um, and then I took I think the first one was the chemistry GRE I think in October mm. and then November was the GRE general then I think TOEFL as well um, but I guess at that time it was enough uh, time uh, to yeah. um, for for the scores to come in and be submitted in the December fifteenth or late December deadlines. Um, so yeah, I guess that's right. what my, my first year of teaching looked like. Yeah. I kept saying first year of teaching, but I only taught for one year in Dilemma. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> and maybe before we hop onto like I, when I messaged you, I asked for like a two part episode, but we can talk about it in this whole uh, conversation. Um, before mm -hmm. we talk about like, navigating from as a from the perspective of an assistant professor, I know you've learned so much already about admission process and all. Uh, maybe we can continue with your like journey of when you were applying. Um, yeah. I, I think you mentioned before you applied for five schools, right? So mm -hmm. I'm curious to learn uh, what your considerations back then in choosing for schools to apply to and why the U.S.? From a practical standpoint, um, well, let's start with your the last part of your question. Right. Why, why the U.S.? Um, I think mainly because if I consider other countries, other countries might um, require, I guess, other languages beyond English. So it was just 
from again from a practical standpoint it's just much easier to um, assimilate into the culture if if the language is not that much of an issue and um, I think I'm just based on I guess reading about the institutions I'm just more familiar with the institutions in the U.S. than in other countries and then I guess another aspect is a lot of my colleagues are applying also in the U.S. so um, yeah, and, and then factors for choosing a school. Um, I, I was very for, fortunate that there are some people who, who applied earlier than us um, that were kind of giving advice and saying that in grad school, you just don't look at the school, but really it should be about the research. And as I told you earlier, in the first place, the reason why I, I would like to pursue a graduate degree abroad is because of um, the opportunities, the, the types of research that can be done. So a lot of people told me that that should be the priority. Um, of course, geography can, can also play a role for some other people. Maybe some people have family members. But at that time, I guess it wasn't very much of an issue for me. It was really finding schools and finding departments actually it's more it's more important to understand the um the research areas that a department can offer and and their strengths and see if that really fits um to what you want to do and you know i i know that a lot of people don't really know uh from the beginning what they really want to do but uh i guess i was also fortunate in, on that end that i I kind of know what topics I want to pursue. So, um, and then in terms of uh, the type of graduate program, I most of the programs I applied to are in chemistry because it makes sense. My my undergrad degree is in chemistry, but I because I'm interested in biophysical chemistry, overlapping with materials chemistry. I there was another program um, in in biophysics. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a longer name, but <laughs> but the biophysics of it was the one that I was interested in um, that I applied to. So yeah, I, I applied to five schools. Four of them are in chemistry, and then one was a specialized program um, that involves biophysics. Yeah, and application process after you submitted that could be it could uh, lead to a lot of anxiety waiting for the results and all oh absolutely um, <laughs> yeah um how did you cope with that difficult you know time like spending the christmas waiting for results um so a couple of factors again i um so i applied with my other colleagues who are also instructors so we were kind of patting each other in the back <laughs> um, and then the other aspect is that because I'm an instructor and then, you know, there are so many things going on, um, teaching classes. And so you can just distract yourself um, yeah. through the job. Right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I guess for, for me at that time, it wasn't like um, a do or die <laughs> situation. I, I, I thought that, okay, if I don't, get accepted to any schools this year i could still try next year or or i could reconsider applying to med schools in the philippines <laughs> um, 
So, yeah. And then I, I guess another practical aspect that I want to um, share about the MD versus PhD decision was that um, I guess it's it's very expensive to to pursue medical school in the Philippines. Whereas for if you're a grad student in the U.S., for example, um, you you can get a stipend. Um, you can live comfortably <laughs> with that stipend. You don't have to pay for any tuition. At least I, I can say that most of the chem, most if not all of the chemistry PhD programs in the U.S. Um, you don't have to pay for anything. Uh, maybe some schools would require you to pay for uh, insurance during the summer or something like that. But um, the the general tuition you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I believe that's usually the case for STEM PhDs, right? Um, when you go to yeah. a PhD program, it's usually funded. For yeah. for masters, mm-hmm. I, I think you have to pay. Uh, right, right. And and yeah, although- I, I also heard that there are some PhD programs in the Europe where you need to find a scholarship or you need to find a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's another factor. I, I just didn't really consider other schools at that time I, I didn't consider other schools beyond the u.s and how did you find out that you got into that to the programs that you applied to if you still remember <laughs> that yeah that time. <laughs> um so i think the very first school i received a snail mail um i i was considered for an early admit so that wow. it was nice because they are offering like um like a small relocation package. Of course, it's not called a relocation package, but like travel assistance or something like that. And then the other school um, was, uh, I think it, it involves the option of visiting the, the campus. So I did that. And then um, I will never forget my um, the way I found out my acceptance to Hopkins because I, I thought that it was just a spam email. <laughs> so um, I, I think Hopkins was the last school that I, I, I learned the acceptance. <laughs> um, so it was just through email. Uh, I, I, I think the, the snail mail from Hopkins, I didn't receive that until I signed the, <laughs> I, I accepted the offer. But anyway, the email was just, um, I think it, it does say Hopkins acceptance. And then the only body of the message, the email was all caps, congratulations, and then three <laughs> exclamation points. Wow. So I thought like, is this a sp- <laughs> is this legit? <laughs> but it turns out that the admin assistant at, in, in um, Hopkins chemistry, she's, I, I think she just turned 80 that year. So she's like, um, She's not the most advanced in terms of like emails and, and text. So it was just, there was a letter attachment and then congratulations. That's all. Wow. <laughs> and it was like, I think 3 a.m. In the, in the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. that's one, so, well, one good thing about um, receiving acceptance letters from the U.S. because they would send it during their business hours. So you would wake up with <laughs> an admission with offer. News, yeah. <laughs> good news. So yeah, uh, so I guess the short answer to your question is that you can either receive a, a mail or or 
an email. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that the rest of the acceptances was through email and also the rejections <laughs> mm-hmm. through email. And then the rejections, I think you won't be able to receive that news until the very end, until they yeah. sent the acceptance letters. And then later on, yeah. And then later on, you ended up going to Hopkins for your PhD. And how was that? How was preparing for the big move? Like, um, did you go to the U? So you mentioned you went to the school, visited the schools prior. So you went oh, to the States? Just one school. Before? Okay. Yeah, just one school. And I felt really bad that <laughs> I, I went to Hopkins and not to that school. But it was helpful to, to inform my decision. I think because I was able to see the culture and and talk to the people and um, I guess find out if the research groups that I'm interested in um, would be really a good fit for me. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was very helpful. Um, the the you were asking about the move. I guess yeah, I can yeah. um, I can talk first about. Um, choosing uh, a school um, because that, that's kind of tied uh, to my to my um, preparation to move <laughs> um, through the visit and then while I was deciding I, I talked to a lot of people and and I met oh, virtually some of them virtually um, some of the Filipino students uh, PhD students and those that um, I guess have done their PhD in the US. Um, I, I, yeah, I talked to a lot of people and that was also very helpful um, learning their experiences. That was very helpful. Um, and then for the preparation, uh, I should say that um, one of the most helpful person uh, for my move to, to Hopkins to the US was um, this fifth-year graduate student uh, in the same department uh, at that time. She she has been very helpful and up to this day was is, is kind of my life coach. <laughs> um, so she uh, she helped me secure my apartment and wow. she um, she she gave some of her old stuff <laughs> like simple things like school supplies she was like my aunt <laughs> and yeah. i felt like that was very important because um i i was very young and as uh, which i'm sure is the same as other um you know folks who are moving <laughs> mm-hmm. um to, to do their phd it's a it's a huge move so i think for me it was very important to talk to a lot of people. And I was just very thankful that that student um, who was like my aunt in, in Hopkins, she was so helpful and she's very friendly and she just, you know, um, showed me everything in, in Baltimore and talked about her experience. And I guess that was the other aspect is that um, it's, Kind of, I heard a lot of scary things about about Baltimore, and my my mother was also very scared for me to move to that area. But because of that student um, in Hopkins, she kind of assured my mom that no, she just needs to learn where where to go, and and um, the campus security is great, and and all of those things. So yeah. Um, I guess was, she a Fil- story. was she a Filipina? 
Yeah, yeah, she's Filipina. Oh, okay. um, and, and that's how we got connected. I should I, I should have said that. She was also from UP Diliman. And um, so, so yeah, more of the story is that it's important to talk to other people. Um, and um, I, I talked to a lot of Filipinos, so I used my uh, Filipino network. <laughs> but um, in, in most universities, they would give you the contact information of other grad students. So you should take advantage of that as well. So I, I talked to other grad students by email and, and asked about their experience before I came in. So um, talked to a lot of people. <laughs> I think that's yeah. what uh, was helpful for me. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, I, I felt that uh, because of that Filipina who helped me a lot when I was adjusting and when I was moving, um, that, that was actually a big part of my decision why I, well, one of the, one of the reasons um, why, why I chose Hopkins was because I, I felt like there was a community and I know she's only one and, and it turns out that there are more, I, I, I met other Filipinos um, as eventually as years mm -hmm. passed, um, but um, we, we had a very friendly Filipino community. Uh, well, there's not that many students, uh, Filipino students at Hopkins at that time, but um, yeah, knowing a couple uh, was helpful. Yeah, yeah. and I can, I can resonate with that. Even uh, for my case, when I was applying for my master's, I also knew folks at UC Berkeley who were studying there. And I feel like it really helps give you that push to, you know, uh, imagine what it's like to live in a very new environment and talking to people really helps in uh, making a, a wise decision or an informed decision of choosing this one school over the other. Yeah, and I, I thought it was just helpful to find uh, other Filipinos who are doing PhD uh, programs as well because you share the same culture and, and they, they, they know, uh, I guess, your baseline in terms of um, the the academic environment where we are from, and and then um, also the culture, yeah. So, and, and and I think for this one, you kind of talked to me about about this before in our first call about um, from day one of graduate school, it would help if you know what you want to do. Like if you want to be, if you want to go to academia versus industry, it would help if you know. From day one, oh, I want to be a professor and like yeah, it, yeah. I, I just want to clarify, it would help, but it's not necessary. Not, yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. if you don't know yet where you want to go in the long term, it's okay. You don't have to be pressured. Yeah. But if you already know, I I think that um, it would just help you curate your 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 training, the opportunities that you're seeking for. Yeah. Um, and and I think I, yeah I shared that with you um, the the first time we talked that yeah. um, from day one I knew I wanted to be a professor, professor. I and I, I I really want to go back home and serve back to my my home institution but I, I guess as years passed there there are a lot of factors including family but I I still try to stay active um, and and connect with people back home um, and eventually hopefully that there, there will be more collaborations right. uh, that will happen. So as a Filipino who got to experience what it feels like to study at one of the top universities abroad or in the world, 
Um, what would you say are your key takeaways from that whole experience or like realizations? I guess it's a mix of I, I was um, it's a mix of, of emotions <laughs> that um, well I would say that um, I guess in a way you on one hand you feel kind of pressured because you you might think that oh if I screw this up maybe they won't accept any more <laughs> uh, students from my university but on the other hand I think. Um, it, it, it brings so much joy to me that, it, you know, that you feel that I felt that I was representing um, our culture and, and sharing my experiences with the other folks in, in the department. Um, I think that's what's nice in, in an academic institution is because there's a lot of people coming from different backgrounds and you, you are brought by one mission kind of to do science right so no matter where you are from it's it's the science that brings you together so i it, it was it was such a nice feeling that um and and at that time it wasn't only me there are a couple of other filipinos in in our department it's just such a nice feeling that um filipinos are being represented in in stem um even in in our small department so uh yeah I, I guess that was that was the two ends of the spectrum for me um but yeah at the end of the day it's it's the science that brought me there so i just tried to do my best and and um try to represent the the culture <laughs> um in the most positive way that i can <laughs> right yeah and when we're where did your peers uh, end up going? You mentioned earlier you were applying with your friends back then. Yeah. So I think most of my friends who applied to the U.S. Um, pursued PhD programs in the U.S. Um, so, yeah, um, everywhere in the U.S. <laughs> mm. And then now um, there's, there's one who's currently applying uh, for a professorship um for for faculty positions as well um there's another one who who also uh is a is a faculty now and then a couple who are in um uh, pharmaceutical industries and then a couple who are still doing their postdocs um yeah i i think that's where we are right now yeah yeah. That's where and we I, are at right now. Mm -hmm. And I found it amazing, really, how you guys um, managed to navigate that journey in getting into a faculty position abroad and such. Because I've personally found um, or heard different stories about other international, other international students. They don't know what they're going to do after their PhD or after their research assistantships. And I just, I'm just like it is very a curious of how you navigated that you know entire process just very briefly if you could tell us about that it was a long process <laughs> but i'll try my best to summarize it um no i, I think uh, building your network is very important uh and and trying to um make the most out of the training opportunities that are possible workshops uh, conferences um, so that you can have a better understanding of the community. And I guess I could only speak for um, the academic track because I I didn't really get a, 
a chance to um, to see um, right. how to apply or uh, like what are the networking opportunities possible for uh, for the industry. I guess there are two ways to approach a career. It's either a, a career in STEM. It's either a scientist or you're a careerist. And 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 I borrowed that from. Uh, from my postdoc advisor, and I think he borrowed that <laughs> thought also from one of his um, career mentors. Anyway, um, there are folks who who build their trajectory, career trajectory around a scientific goal, and um, there are, um, whichever opportunities can big them can can give them uh, the biggest opportunity uh, to pursue that motivated by by the 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 career stages i yeah. feel like um i i i tend i lean more towards being a, a scientist i i know that um the types of research that i want to do maybe would be more fit for for an academic career and i i i really like mentoring i i mm. i enjoy mentoring students and also teaching. So um, so yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I know that I wanted, at the beginning, I wanted to pursue an academic career. And for me to do that, sure, you, you have to finish your PhD, uh, pursue a postdoc, and then apply for academic jobs. That's a traditional career. But I guess in a way, um, my trajectory is a bit yeah. unconventional because I jumped from different fields right. and I was just trying to follow the, the best track uh, that um, that would make me uh, most prepared <laughs> for for building an interdisciplinary lab mm -hmm. uh, for for pursuing and, and building a lab uh, about biomaterials um, pursuing research on biomaterials so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe in the future, um, let's see what we can do about, you know, having, uh, inviting different people from who chose different trajectories, those who went to academia industry and just, you know, compare and contrast um, what each trajectory would give everyone. I've, I've seen uh, similar um, conversations from a U.S. standpoint, and it would be, I thought it would be interesting to have Filipinos talk about what they did because it's more, you know, uh, relatable for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I guess I should also say that um, you talk about different tra trajectories, academia, industry. Th there's not no one um, set trajectory. Um, mm -hmm. Every every trajectory of one person is unique. There's right. no, uh, as cliche as it may sound, mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong uh, career pathway towards an end goal and um yeah uh, i i think that's one thing that i just want to clarify yeah, and right. and yeah. say out there the, you can be inspired by certain stories and True. and learn from the mistakes of other people but um what works for you will not work for other people and i attend those workshops and and training opportunities you would say that Sure, but but take their advice with a grain of salt because what worked for them may not work for you. Right. And up to this day, I still always think about that. 
But of course, it's always great to hear more advices from people, and it's your responsibility to just filter which one would which ones would work for you. Yeah, exactly. And and really, the goal of me doing all these podcast interviews and all that is to just provide more stories of what other people did and just give no, more samples out awesome. of right? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like we're not really trying to give provide instructions of like a uh, one yes, recipe of how to succeed. Um, it's more There's like no oh, recipe. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's more like, oh, this is what she did. And then this is the what the other person did. And then it's my own responsibility as the listener to, you know, pick certain pieces which I think will be applicable for my case and learn, yeah, mm -hmm. as you said, learn from their mistakes and just get more samples and filter them Absolutely. out depending on your model or whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I should say that, yeah, when I was applying, I, I didn't really, there were some people that I talked to, gave advice, but I, I, I don't really have a clear picture of what's waiting for me on the other side. And, and it was like that every step of the way, like when I was applying for postdocs, it was, it was the same, like um, I, I, I didn't know which one, which trajectory would be the best and which position would be which postdoc position would be the best um, uh, for for preparation for a faculty position, um, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't think there's 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 a perfect <laughs> uh, uh, postdoc position to to prepare you for a faculty position. It's just that um, once you make a decision, make the most out of it, and then yeah, you you keep making your own track. You you keep making your own path. And, and always finding out, um, it's always important to find out which ones work for you. That is it for this chat. If you like this episode or would like to suggest a future topic, let me know by sending me a quick message. I'm always looking for interesting conversations and hope to share more similar stories in the future. My Twitter handle is at rocksalt, that's R-O-X-S-A-L-T. You may also send me an email at rocksalt.acc at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you in the next one.